Hi, this is Pastor Tom, and I want to welcome you to week four of our look through the book of Exodus. We're going to chapter a day, so that means we're in uh, chapter 16 to 20 this week. This is day one of week four, and we're looking at what God does in our lives to set us free. We've been walking with the people of Israel, with Moses as he's leading them, and he has set them free. He set them free from the land of Egypt. He set them free through the Red Sea. And now they're coming into this period of time where the initial burst of freedom has happened and they're, they're needing to start to live the life of freedom. And as they begin to live the life of freedom, both Moses and the people of Israel, you see in their lives that when it comes to freedom, living out your freedom in Christ, living out what it means for you to live in God's grace, you see that it's often the little things that get you. You have to learn that God is often growing you through the seemingly little things of life. And that real freedom is often found in how you handle those day-to-day little things. It's often in my life, your life, it's not the big problems that get you. It's the small irritations that can become your downfall. Moses' irritation became one of his biggest struggles, and it led to some of his biggest failures. For him, the irritation was the constant drip, drip, drip of the people's grumbling. And as Moses constantly faces this irritation of the grumbling, we learn some important lessons about how to handle life's small irritations in order to live in freedom, even in the midst of the fact that life is not what you want it to be, and it's just plain irritating sometimes. Small irritations can erode large achievements, just like, just like a river of water can erode out a big valley. When we respond correctly, though, they can create growth. Or in my life, your life, Small irritations can actually create beautiful pearls, like the irritation of a grain of sand and an oyster creating a pearl. So we're going to listen closely, along with the life of Moses, as he sometimes succeeds and sometimes stumbles in handling these little things that just keep coming at you. Here's one of them in chapter 16, verses 1 to 3. The whole Israelite community set out from Elam and came to the desert of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai on the 15th day of the second month after they'd come out of Egypt. In the desert, the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The Israelites said to them, if only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. There we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted. But you brought us out into this desert to starve this entire assembly to death. Here they are, the people grumbling again. Now, notice they're in the desert of sin, which to many of us, that, 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 there seems to be a picture there, but that just happened to be the name of the place in the Hebrew language. It, it was a place where they did sin, but it was also a place where they did worship. The people are grumbling again. About one month away out of Egypt, the food is running out, and in this life of freedom, they're opening the package of freedom, and they've been learning things all the way along. We've watched it last week in, in the pillars, in the pillar of cloud and the pillar of fire, they learned about God's leadership. At the Red Sea, they learned about God's miraculous intervention. And here, they come into this desert, and in the desert, on the other side of the sea, they have the opportunity to learn, if only they will, about God's gracious supply. Anytime it feels like you have a lack, and they felt like they had a lack, what do you do? You can either grumble, or you can look to God's gracious supply. God is going to supply their needs in this desert. He's going to supply them strength for the battles they're going to have in this desert. And one aspect of how he supplied their needs stands out above all others in our minds. Everyone knows about this way that God supplied their needs in the desert. It was the bread that came from heaven, the manna that he gave. God supplied their need. They were hungry, and he sent a a manna, a, a white flaky substance. The Hebrew manna actually means what is it? That's the name of this stuff. Just what is it? What are you having for breakfast? What is it? What are you having for lunch? What is it? That's what they had. What is it? 
God supplied their needs, but he did, he did more than just send a bread truck. The way that he gave them this food, this manna, taught them and teaches us some important things about the stewardship of your freedom, how you manage your freedom. We're to be managers of our freedom. In fact, if you want to do a play on words, we're to be managers, sorry about that, managers of our freedom, the freedom that God has given. What do we learn from the people of Israel? What do we learn about dealing with the small things that keep hitting you? One of the ways that you deal with the small irritations of life is you constantly consider God's care. Even though that thing is irritating you, even though life is not what you expected it to be, even though freedom is not working out exactly perfectly, we don't get perfection until we get to heaven, you constantly consider God's care. God's gonna take care of you through it all. Look at what he taught the people of Israel and what he teaches us through this manna that was given, how he teaches us about how he meets our needs. Four things about manna. First of all, manna was given to test them. The Bible tells us that in verses four and five. Then the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. The people are to go out each day and gather enough for that day. In this way, I will test them and see whether they will follow my instructions. On the sixth day, they are to prepare what they bring in, and that is to be twice as much as they gather on the other days. Because God told them not to gather on the Sabbath day, so the sixth day would last for two days. Here in verse four, we see God raining bread down from heaven, not just to feed them, but also to test them. Are they gonna do what I say? They are managing God's wealth. God gives things into my life. He gives things into your life. It could be simple as manna from heaven, or it could be as complicated as everything that's going on with your work and your check and this coming in and that coming in and a lot of different streams in your life. But the question really is, do you see it as just yours or do you see it as something that God has given? If you see it as just yours, then you can manage it according to your direction. But when you see it as something that God has given, then you manage it according to God's direction. The things that God gives into my life, into your life, whether it's money or houses or whatever it is, they are opportunities to obey him. You're the manager. He puts them into your hands. That's the test. He doesn't force you to obey him. He doesn't force you to use them to serve others or to love the world or to make a difference through his church. No, he gives you those things. And then you and I get the opportunity to either hold on to them selfishly or to use them in a way that makes a difference. That's the test. Manna was given to test. A second thing we learn about manna in these verses is manna was given to harvest. In verses 14 to 18, when the dew was gone, thin flakes like frost on the ground appeared on the desert floor. When the Israelites saw it, they said to each other, what is it? For they did not know what Moses had said to them. It is the bread that the Lord has given you to eat. This is what the Lord has commanded. Each one is to gather as much as he needs. Take an omer for each person you have in your tent. The Israelites did as they were told. Some gathered much, some little. And when they measured it by the omer, he who had gathered much did not have too much, and he who gathered little did not have too little. Each one gathered as much as he needed. The people are asked to go out and gather bread daily. Now, the question is, why? If God's going to supply bread, why didn't he just deliver it to their tent the fact that they had to go out and gather it, that they had to do something to work to gather it, helped them every day to recognize two important things. Number one, they had to recognize their need daily. I'm hungry, uh, I better go get some food. And number two, they had to recognize that God met their need daily. Not once a week, not once a month, but every day they had to recognize, I have a need, I'm hungry, God's meeting my need. That's what it means to harvest. That's what it means to gather what God has given. 
there is a hidden danger here for you and I because we don't usually gather what we eat, what God grows. So we can sometimes confuse gathering and manufacturing. We sometimes think we've manufactured it. God supplied the Israelites' need, and he allowed them to recognize that supply. God supplies your need. You make the money, sure. You work hard to make that money. But who grew the food? Who gave you the energy, the strength to make that money? So we get to gather what God has given. We recognize he's the one that meets our needs. That's what manna said to them. There's a third thing about manna. Manna was given to use. It was given to use. Then the Lord said to them in verse 19, no one is to keep any of it until morning. However, some of them paid no attention to Moses. They kept part of it until morning, but it was full of maggots and it began to smell. So Moses was angry with them. Each morning, everyone gathered as much as he needed, and when the sun grew hot, it melted away. There's a great example in these verses, 19 to 21. Manna was not to be hoarded. It was to be used. God's supply in your life is not to be hoarded because you're worried, because you're afraid. It's to be used because you know that God's going to take care of your needs. Now, am I saying you should never have a savings account? Absolutely not. I believe, you read the book of Proverbs, saving for the fact that everything's not going to always go like you think it's going to go is one of God's principles for finance. But you don't save without a purpose. And you certainly don't save just because you're worried, just because you're afraid. Christians should never save because they're worried about a rainy day. We save because we are looking forward to God's will. How could I best be used for God? Manna is given to use. The things that God has put into your life, the money he's put into your life, it's not meant to be a security blanket. It's meant to be, it's meant to be used for God's glory. And they understood very clearly here because the next day it would get maggots. It would begin to smell that God's gracious supply cannot be hoarded. It has to be gathered daily in one sense and used daily. Now, I know it's not as simple for us sometimes, but this is a simple way of thinking that can change everything. Every day, God's meeting my needs. Every day, I want to use what God has given, not just for my needs, but who else has needs? What else can I do to make a difference? If I fail to gather his supply, I'm going to live a very, very empty life. But if I fail to use what he's supplied, I'm going to live a very stale, boring life. This manna that God sent, what is it? That name really fits in many ways. What is it? It's an opportunity. It's an opportunity to serve God instead of seeing it as just mine. The things that God sent into your life. One of the ways that you and I consider God's gracious supply is by these principles that are related to manna, recognizing what is it? It's God's supply in my life. It's God meeting my needs. And as he meets my needs, as I recognize he has supplied those needs, it's one of the things that protects me from losing freedom in the realities, the daily realities and struggles of life. So let's pray today that God will give us that insight. Father, I pray this for me, for every one of us. Some of us are surrounded by things. Some of us have very few things. But in either case, we can begin to focus on the things instead of you. Lord, help us to focus on you, what you've given, the opportunity you've given us to gather it, and how we can use it for your glory. Your glory as it supplies our daily needs, and then if there's any left over, how it can supply the needs of others. Help us to see, Lord, how you want to use what has been given into our lives to show the world what you're like. You're a loving God. You're a gracious God. You're a generous God. In your name we pray. Amen. Tomorrow, we're going to continue to see how God meets our needs in the desert.